Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, day one of the NFL owners meetings is in the book, live from Phoenix, Arizona. We'll give you the news and the notes of the day. You'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels, some extra sound that he gave us from Monday, plus your calls and texts will close out the show. It's all coming up on Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, March 28th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders, win. part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Just win. your team Just every win. day. Just win. Welcome here, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show the first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it's available. And if you're following along on YouTube, we appreciate you. And that's because my guy Ari has held us down even when I'm on the road. You can catch up with him on Twitter at Ari Produces. Today's edition of the show is brought to you by FanDuel of FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On Today to get started. Let's go ahead and get started. Started Monday recap from uh, the owners' meetings in Phoenix, Arizona. First of all, what a great place. What a great location, right? Phoenix, Arizona is the spot, and uh, there's not too many times that I'll say that the weather in Las Vegas is not as quite as nice as the weather that I'm going somewhere else, but being in Phoenix at the owners' meetings, uh, the weather was beautiful. It was just great for day one. A lot of folks walking around with just their T-shirts or their polo shirt on, no sweaters, no jackets needed. I had my little uh, my sweatshirt on early in the day and did not need it because, uh, man, I'll tell you, it was such a, a nice day and uh, a lot of gathering, a lot of folks from uh, all NFL circles. Of course, all the teams are here represented. So just a, a really good showing for the first day. But the first day's biggest headlines came from not the Raiders, but the Ravens, Baltimore Ravens, that is, as Lamar Jackson put out a tweet about three minutes into the time that the coaches were meeting with the media. It was about 7.45 local time that uh, the coaches from the AFC all sat down with the media. And of course, I was sitting there with head coach Josh McDaniels, as a handful of us were. And John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Ravens, was sitting a few tables away from us, and all of a sudden, a tweet about three minutes later from Lamar Jackson comes out saying that he had requested a trade from the Ravens on March 2nd, so early in the month, and of course, it's later in the month now, and the news is out. And of course, John Harbaugh, I mean, he wasn't caught off guard that Lamar asked for a trade. He obviously knew about that if it was ha- if it happened on March 2nd, but uh, you could tell that it was a little bit different, little edge to the room once that came out, and folks started talking about it, and of course, everyone's looking down at their phone all the reporters looking down their phone were like wait hold on (laughs) hold on let's go ahead and and ask coach harbaugh about that and it's it's funny uh he was walking by me uh when i was doing my radio show on necessary roughness radio nation radio 920 on monday afternoon myself and vinnie bonsignor were tag teaming the show and john harbaugh literally walked by us with his phone in his hand and i just out of nowhere just said that's the man of the hour and he just kind of looked back laughed and then also said yeah what text or tweet is coming up next right Uh, i better hold on so uh he knows what's up you know he he actually was a, a pretty good sport about it but uh yeah that was that was the big headline that was the big news that broke out on monday uh while the coaches were talking to the media of course lamar jackson uh saying that he formally requested a trade on march 2nd now does that mean that he's gonna get moved no not at all does that mean that baltimore is still uh in charge in the driver's seat and as far as i'm concerned absolutely but what it does mean is that every team in the league now knows that okay uh you know knowing that lamar had the non-exclusive franchise tag and any team could have called him and negotiated with him and gave up a couple first round picks plus whatever contract you know they agreed to uh they could do that or you know uh they he, they could have took that contract back to baltimore and they could have had five days to to go ahead and match it and obviously that still applies but i just think it, it sends a message 
to the rest of the league that, hey, it might not necessarily be about money. I think I'm officially ready to get up out of there. Now, again, that does not mean that Baltimore has to grant his wish and trade him to anyone. Uh, but kind of the feeling around the owners' meetings on Monday was that, you know, this is probably going to drag out a little bit longer than expected and maybe even drag out to the draft or even past the draft a little bit. And if it goes past the draft, then all of a sudden it gets real interesting because a team like Miami, I do believe, uh, would really be all in on uh, on Lamar Jackson if they had the opportunity to go get him. And, of course, they couldn't give up the two first-round picks for the non-exclusive tag this year because they don't have a first-round pick in this year's draft coming up at the end of April. They had to forfeit that. So their first opportunity to have a first-round pick would be in 2024. So maybe the game changes once the draft passes. But I just think that all of a sudden every team in the league now knows that Lamar is ready to be out of there. So if there's some teams that need quarterbacks, and there's plenty of teams that need quarterback, we see them each and every year. And I'm not saying that this applies to the Raiders, but I, I do know that every team knows that Lamar Jackson is ready to get out of Baltimore. So we'll see how it changes. It was very interesting. It made for a very interesting day one of the NFL owners meetings here in Phoenix, Arizona. Also found out about uh, DeAndre Carter. He uh, visited with the Raiders. He was a guy that I talked about on Monday's show and uh, the news that broke on Friday that he was going to be visiting with the Raiders. Well, he officially visited on uh, on Monday with the Silver and Black. So look, Dave Ziegler, head coach Josh McDaniels, Mark Davis, they're all here at the owners' meeting. So uh, he visited the the organization. He he visited the actual facility. Uh, there is no resolution to what came about that. Uh, I mentioned on Monday's show that he'd be a hell of an addition if they decided to bring him in and actually sign him to a contract. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. He's got a plenty of special teams ability, and of course, he's coming off a career high as far as being a wide receiver, and that just kind of adds some more to the mix uh, as far as the, the Raiders offensively what they can do but we know the big elephant in the room is the defense and that they've got to address the defense and they've got to improve that if not they're going to try to be in too many shootouts and it's very rare that they're going to win those kind of shootouts so they've got to be able to play some defense and uh, they know that that's why they have uh, 12 draft picks that they're going to attempt to uh, you know turn this team around and, and really build up the defensive side of things not saying that that's the only position that they're going to pick in the draft but it's obviously going to be uh, a priority when it comes comes the end of April. Also, uh, tight end Foster Morrow visited with the Raiders on Monday, and uh, we all know that he's been diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, so he's stepping away from football, and I'm assuming, and I can ask uh, whenever I get a chance to talk to maybe uh, Mark Davis, the owner, or even GM Dave Ziegler, who we have not had a chance to talk to. Now, uh, those guys talked to a handful of uh, reporters. They talked to uh, Vinny Bonsignor, to Sean Reed, talked to uh, I know Dave Ziegler for sure, but uh, formally, in front of all of us, Dave Ziegler has not been made available yet, and Mark Davis has not been made available yet, so hopefully that happens either today or Wednesday at the latest, but uh, I can't guarantee that, and that would be disappointing if it doesn't happen, because as far as I'm concerned, it should happen, right? That's why we're here is to see all three. We're not just here to see one, but uh, Josh McDaniels actually met with us twice on Monday, and you'll hear the second part of uh, him meeting with us coming up in segment number two of today's show, but I'm maybe thinking that Foster, uh, you know, maybe had to go and do a physical, and maybe he's you know, looking at some insurance or I, I'm not too sure exactly uh, what he's visiting the, the Raiders for, but I would love to get that answer. Uh, but we all know that, uh, you know, the heart, hearts and our thoughts and prayers are, are out to Foster and his family. And I know the Raiders feel the same way. So be interested to see exactly uh, what came from that meeting or it could have just been, you know, visiting the team, just visiting the team. And maybe they had to uh, put it down as a uh, 
you know, as a, as an actual visit uh, in this free agency period. I'm not too sure, but uh, I will get to the bottom of it and, of course, ask the question when given the opportunity. Final little note I have for you for segment number one of today's Unlocked On Raiders podcast kind of news and notes of the day. NFC coaches will be talking this morning at 745 uh, local time. So, Going to try to get some time with uh, Kyle Shanahan. Going to try to ask him a few questions about Jimmy G just to get, you know, his his thoughts on on Jimmy. Uh, potentially maybe talk to Dennis Allen. Uh, maybe talk to Brian Dayball, Brown, uh, Darren Waller. But I really want to kind of focus on the players that are actually on the Raiders and that the Raiders have brought in. So definitely going to uh, try to sit down with Kyle Shanahan for a few minutes at least and get uh, some thoughts on Jimmy G and what the Raiders are getting in, in him and, you know, what – what Kyle saw in him for the time that he was in San Francisco as they made the trade with the Patriots to go get him to be their long-term quarterback. And for a while he was there, right? And then injuries uh, piled up, and and obviously we know that they made the move, and now uh, Jimmy G is in in Las Vegas with the Raiders. So uh, we'll get that information. We'll kind of talk to Coach Shanahan about that later on when he meets with us. So uh, that's something to look forward to coming up a little bit later. But uh, coming up in segment number two, we're going to hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. He was in the... He was in the the, the media scrum, a uh, little round table, a little breakfast action, and he talked to us for about 25, 30 minutes. And then we also went outside and talked to him again. And so the second time around was not something that we played on the radio. The second time around was not something that was streamed on Raiders.com. So that's what you'll hear coming up in segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. And we'll get right to that after we tell you about the title sponsor of the show, which is FanDuel and Man, I don't know how much March Madness you're watching. You should be watching it all, right? It's really good action, but right now is the best time. As the tournament is heating up and it's down to the Final Four, it is the best time to get in on FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. They're giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, all you got to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then... You can bet on everything. Money line, point spreads, who's going to be cutting down the nets, who's hitting the most threes. It is all good. They've got you covered. And it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into the second little media scrum that we had with head coach Joshua Daniels on Monday. Again, as I mentioned at the end of segment number one, he talked to us in the breakfast roundtable setting. It was about 25 to 30 minutes. A lot of really good stuff. It was pretty loud in there, but it was some really good stuff. But to the Raiders' credit, they also made him available outside, and it was much more of an intimate setting. It was probably only about five or six of us. And we got some really good stuff in, and Vinny led us off and started talking about matter of fact asked the first question about Jalen Carter and I thought this was a really good answer from head coach Josh McDaniels so here's here's Josh McDaniels the second time around from the owners meeting on Monday Josh is a player in this draft Jalen Carter um, who obviously has some baggage and it's a little bit raw when it comes to Las Vegas considering some of the recent history that that's happened how, how do you guys kind of assess all of that with, um, with, with what happened and yep. what's happened here in I think I think the big thing is to to really do our work and know the truth of everything um i think there's a lot of things that could be said or speculated about that you got to be careful about pinning on somebody um i think the reality for us is you know our interest in the draft is always to make sure that we know how we feel about the character of the human being that we're talking about not just a rumor um so 
we'll do everything we have to do to make sure that not only with Jalen but any, any other player, we understand exactly what the truth is, you know, what, what we're talking about, who we're getting if we select them. Um, and there's still work to be done, I'd say, across the board in the draft on that. We still have, you know, more than a month here to go. So, um, I, you know, that'll all play itself out. But um, I, don't, I don't rush to judgment on any of those things because I think sometimes when you do that, you'll make a mistake. If that process takes you to a good place where you feel, okay, mm-hmm. you know, this, this can work out, any hesitation at all? To- no. I mean, if you feel like, again, we, we want to draft players that will represent the Raiders uh, both on and off the field the right way, and um, we have a certain standard that we believe in. Um, so does Mr. Davis. Uh, he sets the bar. And so, to me, once we've, once we've identified you know, uh, and gone through our process, um, if we feel like the player, you know, look, we'll, if we don't feel like we're, we're safe to draft somebody, we'll just take them off the board. You know, and not even include that part of our as part of our process. So, um, once the process is done, um, whoever's left, uh, then they're they're all they've all been approved, and we'll go forward with with our process in the draft. But uh, we still have some time here before that happens. You referenced it inside there, Josh, about whether you would draft for need or best player available. Does that philosophy change at all, depending upon where you're picking? Because last year you didn't pick up the third round. But yeah. Now you got a top seven. Yeah, I think. I think for us, what we've talked about is honestly, like if it, if it's a tie, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Then yeah. you might lean towards something that you're kind of a little bit more deficient in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you have to have a, you have to have something that's a tiebreaker. Yeah. And so for us, is if we say that, hey, this guy's graded here and this guy's graded here, but we're not really, we don't have a lot here. Mm-hmm. Like, should we pass a player that's really talented yeah. at a different position? It, it's never been a really good philosophy to take to do that. Because if you if you add a really good football player, I mean, you're really not doing yourself, you know, really that much harm. You know what I mean? If you need to do something later on in training camp or something to patch up a position for another year, then maybe you do that. But um, for us, we're going to try to evaluate the best players we can. And then w- when each pick comes up, um, try to make a good choice. And if there's a tie, maybe we, you know, like yeah. you said, maybe we lean something where we need it. There's a little bit of reaction on social media the other day. Pro day things that kind of happens like you guys weren't at you and Dave specifically weren't at Will Levis's um, pro day. Is there anything we were with Will the night before? Okay, uh, so there's uh, there's just some scheduling things. We had our, our uh, Bo was there, Champ was there. So I mean, we can't be like this coming up this week too. There's a bunch of them on the same day, so it's just impossible to you know really kind of logistically be everywhere. Uh, we were down there uh, the night before. We're with Will, um, spending a lot of quality time with him, just trying to get to know these guys. You know, quarterback is such a position that is about fit, and it's not easy to determine that always. And so I think the relationship part of it is part of that. That's why we went down there quickly and did that. And then Bo and Champ were there at the workout. We obviously we get all the video, so we'll have all that too. Um, and then we have the opportunity to Sean to bring him in for the 30 visits. So we'll get more time with these guys, too. So it's not just quarterback. I know everybody's, you know, these, these places we went have multiple players at multiple positions that I'd say we have a significant interest in. So um, the quarterback position gets the headlines, I know, but there's some other guys at these schools that are really quality players that we'd have an interest in. You've worked with multiple different styles of quarterbacks, and there's multiple different styles of quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. Is yep. there any kind of preference that you have, or is it 
Just no, I think I think honestly, like you look for a guy who's, um, you know, I always thought you you got to be able to think, throw, lead, learn, and you know if, if you can do those four things, that's a great place to start. You know what I mean? Because in the in the National Football League, like those are the guys that honestly, when you look at the the last few games of our season every year, I mean, generally speaking. Those guys are doing those things mm-hmm. at a high level, and some of them at an elite level. And so, um, you know, not, the other thing that I would say, Q, is that all these quarterbacks, and I've been evaluating them for quite a while now, they're all at different stages of the, de- the development. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Anthony's at a different place than Bryce, and Bryce is a different place than Will, and Will, you know, is a different place than Hendon Hooker, and Hendon Hooker's a different place than CJ, and CJ's a different place than Hayner, and O'Connell, And, I mean, there's a lot of different guys. Some of them have played more football. Some of them have played less. And the more they play and the more they grow and the more they develop, you might reach their ceiling. And their ceiling might be a different place than they're at now. Most of them are. And so some of this is a you, you got to look at what you see, the traits that they have, and then you got to project them into your system with your development and say, where's this guy going to be three years from now? Because you're not drafting a player and saying, okay, we're, we're happy with where he's at today. We, we, we think we're going to be happy with where he's going to be at three years from now because we feel like he has a chance to really survive and be a good player. When we were in New England uh, and had Tom, and a lot of times you guys are drafted further down in the draft, how focused and zeroed in were you on quarterbacks compared to like now where there's probably a need and, you know, we did it. Time? We did it really the same way. Um, there might have been a couple times of anywhere we knew a guy was going to go uh, like really high in the draft and we, we knew we weren't going to be able to – but for me, I always looked at those guys anyway as an opportunity because we're probably going to play them at some point, you know. And you never know if your work that you do now, four years later, comes back and you go, okay, we add this guy. And, you know, I did my research then and kind of I'm familiar with the player. So um, I've always gone through that process. And honestly, we we drafted quite a few of them, you know. I mean, from Castle to O'Connell to Hoyer to Mallet. To Garoppolo, to J- Brissett, to Stidham, I mean, to Matt. I mean, we've always kind of been in the quarterback business, if you would, uh, even though we didn't necessarily need a starter. Um, you're looking for a solid backup. And like I said in there, I've, I love the idea of having a young player eventually be your backup quarterback where every year you're not looking for another veteran guy to put on a one-year deal to keep being your backup quarterback over and over and over again, you know, and and so I think we've seen some dividends doing it that way and really like that process. And uh, if we can find a guy that fits that description this year, I'd love to do it. And how, how specifically sorry, How specifically then has signing Jimmy changed the philosophy, if at all, about taking a quarterback early in the draft? If we, if we feel like the guy is worth it, Paul, I think we would do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and just, and like I said, not be, it doesn't say anything about anybody. Right. It's just he's a, he's a really good player at the most important position in football. And so is making your quarterback room stronger or a strength of your team a bad thing? In our opinion, it's not. You know what I mean? It's a good thing. So uh, whether that happens or not, I don't know. There's a lot that could be done between now and then. But um, if a good player at that position falls, like that's what happened with Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, we took him in the second round, and, you know, and we, we had Tom, and it was like, okay, this guy's available. And it's like, holy cow, you know, like let's get him. So – um, I'd, th- I'd say at that position, whenever a player, if you feel like he's worth it, it's worth taking him. To 
You just listed a bunch of guys too. Is that your order of preference? Say it again. <laughs> just listed. I, I listed them all out of order. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't read anything yeah, into yeah. that. There's still, I would say, there's still some some work uh-huh. to be done on that part of it. Yeah. Um, but as Q said, there there's very few of them that are the same. Gotcha. I mean, this this class is really. I'd say it's pretty unique in that there's not many of them that resemble somebody else. Right. And so um, doing our work on them, and, and, and I think they are, they're all in different stages of their development. So it's an interesting group. You mentioned that players taking a leap in year two of your system. Do you see that being the case with Hunter Renfro? I would love to believe that, yes. And, and again, Hunter battled through the concussion, the oblique, so... It wasn't a, I wouldn't say it was a clean year relative to him in terms of his health. So I think, you know, I just talked to him, you know, maybe two, a couple weeks ago. I mean, it seems like he's healthy. seems like he's in good in a good place in terms of working out and being ready to go in terms of the offseason. I just love for him to have an opportunity to be healthy and go through the whole offseason and then into training camp, you know, and, and, and feel good about going into the season health-wise. And then trying to stay healthy and see what he can do. I mean, obviously, he was a big reason I was excited about being here. I've had a long history of these kind of guys, you know, that I've had a chance to work with and was super excited and still I'm super excited about it. Josh, the last few years, we've seen a, a couple quarterbacks that were more, in the first round, more so off their physical traits, Josh Allen types, Trey Lance types. And there's another one this year that's probably going to go in the first round and Anthony Richardson. Um, when there's a player like that, how do you go up when it, he only has a one-year experience with you? Yeah. How do you go about projecting what you think they are and what they, what they could be at the next level? I, it, learn as much about them as you can. Um, really get to know the, the person um, in as many ways as we're able to. So medium, being at the pro day, having him in our building, talking to him at the combine. Like that process has already started. And, uh, you know, this is a unique person now. Um you know, in terms of his athletic skills and ability, what he's able to do, uh, these are rare, as we saw at the combine. So, um, you got to take a look at those things, and then, and you also have to factor in what you think you want to have them do. You know, if they're playing for you, you know. And when we did Lamar a few years ago, the conversation w- was not going to be the same. You know, at that time, I think we had Tom, and it would have been Tom and Lamar, and it's like two guys aren't. We're going to be doing, you know, we're not asking Tom. We could ask Lamar to do some of the things that Tom, but we're not going to ask Tom to do what Lamar can do. You know what I mean? So there's some different, you know, conversations that need to be had about how you use a player, too, that has a really specific skill set and a very unique uh, talent. And, and AR de- definitely has that. We were talking about second-year guys. How about Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell? They didn't get a lot of burn in their rookie year. How much do they need to step up this year? Yeah, we're excited. Um, you know, both of them have already been there, you know, on their own with our strength guys, which they're allowed to do, and, and just really trying to put in all the time and effort that they need to to, let's say, start at a better place than they finished, which sometimes is a huge key for guys going from year one to year two. But, you know, invested, you know, in the defensive line last year a little bit in the draft, and obviously – if those two guys can have a really good leap here in a year or two, that would help us for sure. Jermaine is listed as a uh, guard tackle still. Uh, yep. Is there still a possibility that he could play guard and could there maybe play guard? You know, we talked to, to Jermaine as we were going through that process and bringing him back, and it's, you know, one of the one of the unique traits about Jermaine is he's like one of the few guys in the league that, you know, right tackle, played left tackle, played right guard, all in games last year in the same season 
and there's not that many players that that you can say that about. And so, Jermaine's versatility, his ability to play right and left, um, his ability to mentally to be able to handle that because the calls are a little different on each side of the ball. Um, that's that's a that's a value, you know. And so, um, we'll see how it shakes out, Vinny. I we don't ever go in there and you know, like you guys saw last year when you go into training camp and just put them in one spot and leave them there and never move them. Like, I don't really think that's a great way to go because eventually, as we saw during the course of the season, we were going to need somebody. At, you know, Dylan went from guard to center. Dylan played on both sides of the center at guard. Jermaine played at tackle and guard, you know. So there's a lot of moving parts that usually you have to, you know, go through during the course of the season. And, you know, preparing those guys for that early is better than trying to throw them in there at the last second and they've never really practiced it. So we'll use all the versatility we can with those guys. Give them an opportunity to compete in there and see how it all shakes out. So there you go. Some good stuff, I thought, from head coach Josh McDaniels talking about Jalen Carter off top with Vinny. And he didn't rule him off the board. Didn't say that, no, that they're not a guy that he would consider. Uh, matter of fact, said he would do a lot of uh, they would do a lot of investigating and they'd have to really uh, be confident. And that's not just with Carter, but that was with everybody. So I thought that that was the, the right answer. And again, being a month out. You know, from the draft still, they have plenty of time to do the the groundwork and to do some, you know, some real deep diving into the background of one Jalen Carter. And, you know, that, again, that's that's the smart thing to do. But you also heard him say if everything checked out, they would have no problem drafting him. And I do think he'll be available at number seven unless Seattle gets him at number five, who I've kind of pegged as that one team. They're, they're the one team. And I feel bad for doing this, but I've pegged them to take either Anthony Richardson or take uh, Jalen Carter. You know, just that one team that would be comfortable taking either one of those guys in and feeling like that that's the right decision, especially since they have two first-round picks this upcoming draft. Uh, also, you know, uh, Paul reiterated a question that I asked uh, earlier in the in the breakfast setting about having Jimmy G, does that make it a less of a priority to have to go and address the quarterback position at least early in the draft? And, you know, I think that Jimmy G kind of alleviates that, you know, eliminates that that need to have to go get him immediately, right? I mean, they could find a quarterback. Uh, I believe Hendon Hooker is a guy that they're interested in, so maybe if he falls around too, maybe the Raiders would jump on him there. I just gut feeling tells me that they're not going to take a quarterback uh, at seven or or in their, their first pick. I just don't feel like that that's going to happen. But, again, that's just my gut feeling. That's nothing that I've been told. But I thought that was some really good stuff from head coach Josh McDaniel. So, hopefully, we hear from Dave Ziegler, and hopefully we hear from Mark Davis before this trip is all wrapped up because, again, this is the reason why we're here. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and text straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before we get to that, though, I do want to talk about the Built Bar March Madness competition that's going on, and that's almost over. As March Madness is almost over, but uh, you got to go to Built Bar March, BuiltMarchMadness.com, excuse me, to vote for your favorites. Uh, I've been voting for cookies and cream. I was rocking with UCLA, but we all know UCLA took, a, took an L, so there's that. <laughs> I can't I can't rock with them anymore because they've been done deal records. Gonzaga put them out, and then Gonzaga got put out, so they're no longer a part of this, but uh, cookies and cream Built Bar is definitely available. So when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built, have the best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. And you know all the reasons why you got to try Built Bar. I tell you all the time, low in calories, low in sugar, high in protein, great taste, covered in chocolate, 
you know, the puffs have the marshmallows. So if that's what you like, they got that too. They got something for everybody. So, I mean, it, it's really a no-brainer to go ahead and tap into that. But they are uh, good, going to be good for you and going to be that snack that you're really looking for when you're trying to take that next step. So right now, BuiltMarchMadness.com is a website. Go there, uh, vote for your favorite bar or puff, and pick up a box while you're there. Again, BuiltMarchMadness.com. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Calls and text draft at Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. What is on your mind? What do you know from? want to know from the owners' meetings? That is what it's all about. So let's go ahead and jump into the first call coming from Raider Meatloaf. Calling to give a little Raiders draft history based on something he saw floating around Twitter. Here he is, Raider Meatloaf. So cute. It's uh, Raider Meatloaf here. Um, I saw uh, something on Twitter that kind of made me laugh. I just wanted to share it with the draft coming up and everything. Um, this is pick by pick of some of the uh, picks we've had. Not the worst picks we've had, but just some of them where the very next player ended up being a superstar. So I'll start off in 2019. Number four overall, Cleveland Farrell. Very next pick, Devin White of the Buccaneers. 2016, pick number 44, Jahad Ward, very next pick, Derek Henry. 2007, Jamarcus Russell, very next pick, Calvin Johnson. 2005, we picked Bobby and Washington, very next pick, Aaron Rodgers. 2004, Robert Gallery, very next pick, Larry Fitzgerald. 2002, Napoleon Harris. The very next pick, Ed Reed. 1997, Adam Treu. The very next pick, Jason Taylor. So, you know, us, <laughs> I don't know if we're cursed, if Raiders, the Raiders are cursed when it comes to the draft, um, kind of like the Boston Red Sox curse. But, um, you know, we, uh, we need to do better this first year that this, uh, coaching regime We'll have an opportunity to uh, inspire Raider Nation that the curse is over. So I don't know who we're going to pick with number seven overall. Um, in my opinion, Jacobs has signed his franchise tag. We trade back, maybe pick up a uh, couple of uh, later round draft picks for Josh Jacobs if we trade him. Um, and I know you don't think Bijan Robinson is worth that number seven pick, but Again, let's just pick the best player on the board, and we can go from there. I don't see the Raider offense being successful this year with uh, a uh, Zamir White-type running back. Um, I think that they need to be a star on the field. And I think Josh Jacobs got some burn left, but um, if he doesn't want to sign that franchise tag, that's fine. I'm a huge Bijan Robinson fan, so and I think he's the best player in the draft. All right, take care. Thanks so much for that call, my man. Appreciate you. And, yeah, I saw saw that graphic floating around Twitter as well. And believe me, I've been down that rabbit hole plenty of times, right? You look at who they drafted and who the next guy was, who they drafted, who the next guy was, who they drafted, who the next guy was. And you could build your own Hall of Fame team. Right. But it's not exclusive to just the Raiders. I mean, that's the thing about it. I mean, we, we get caught up in the fact that we'll go back and look, uh, you know, some some are obvious right away, but some you have to go back and look a few years later and you realize, you know, oh, man, that's a big player that they messed out on. But, you know, you, you mentioned Jihad Ward and, and Derek Henry. And I remember being at that draft that was in Chicago uh, when the Raiders drafted Jihad Ward and. 
you know, he was a guy that came from the Illinois area. And I remember being in Chicago, again, the Illinois area, nobody in that crowd at that theater gave Jihad Ward any props for being drafted, right? That kind of told me all I needed to know. And again, I wasn't like some draft guru where I knew exactly what Jihad Ward was about. But when you're in his own area, his own hometown, basically, and nobody is is giving any kind of props to him, it kind of told me all I needed to know. Not to mention, as you mentioned, that beast Derrick Henry was sitting right behind him, who is now, uh, you know, just just been killing it for a while there for Tennessee so yeah that was a big miss Fabian Washington Aaron Rodgers I mean that's a no-brainer that was that was one that makes you scratch your head and wonder what the hell how did that one happen but you know it just it, it it's all the time right and I think you can go back through the history of most teams and and realize that there's going to be there's going to be a lot of those but yeah the Raiders seem to have a bit and like I said I've been down that rabbit hole and sometimes it's almost torture to, uh, to, to put yourself through that and actually see what could have been, which obviously isn't. As far as B. John Robinson, you're right, though. He could very easily be uh, the best player in the draft. I just don't know who's going to pull him first. I, don't, I mean, he's a running back, and unfortunately, re- running backs aren't valued like they should be, and he is a uh, next-level running back. He's fantastic. I mean, the dude could do just about everything. I was blessed to be able to see him when I was in Central Texas covering uh, UT, covering Baylor, covering the Big 12, so I got to see him up close to personal. The dude's phenomenal, but at the end of the day, he's a running back. And who's going to pull the trigger on a running back first? Uh, it won't be the Raiders at seven. I'll tell you that. They, 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 need, they need way more uh, areas to, on defense filled before they're worried about uh, getting a luxury like B. John Robinson. But, man, that's a hell of a player. And whoever gets him is going to get a fantastic player. Tampa Bay, my man, Brandon Cristal, who's actually in Denver, KOA in Denver, said uh, he believes Tampa Bay is going to pull the trigger. And if they get him, like my late great-grandmother would say, whoa, Nelly. So uh, watch out for that. That would, be, that would be a nice little dynamic to have down there in Tampa Bay. Next up, got a text from Raider Eddie. He says, Q, it's Raider Eddie in Denver. Speaking of Denver, there you go. See how I tied that together? Can you talk more about why we didn't bring back Stidham? Seems like he would have been the ideal backup behind Jimmy. Was it about money? I think he's getting about $10 million for two years, which doesn't seem prohibitive. Was it because they didn't want to create potential controversy about who's our number one quarterback? With Jimmy now, I just don't get it. There have been some moves that just don't give me an idea that there's a real strategic plan sometimes, or am I just too critical? That's my guy Raider Eddie in Denver. And I'll tell you this. When I saw that, I think that was the first move that affected the Raiders in free agency in the legal tampering period, I believe, is when that news rolled out about Stidham. And I'll I'll be the first one to tell you how shocked I was. I told everybody who would listen that he's more valuable to the Raiders than any other team in the league. And Denver said, yeah, except for us, bro. <laughs> right? Showed what I knew. But they pulled him. I believe that uh, he's going to have an opportunity to to show what he's worth, especially if uh, things don't get right with, with Russell, Russell uh, Wilson there. Who knows? But uh, I also learned at the owners meeting on Monday, actually, to tell you the truth, I learned that there was a pretty good little market for him, which I didn't think was there. So, I mean, that's my fault for not not believing that there was a big market for him. But definitely leaves a big hole for the Raiders at the backup quarterback's position, especially when you know the starting quarterback is a guy who more times than not needs a backup quarterback. So, yeah, that's that's a that's a great question. I think Denver did a couple things there. They got a good quarterback in, in Stidham who could end up eventually being something under Sean Payton and also took away from a division rival, right? I mean, just took away from, from the Raiders, and now they have to go address that position. Josh McDaniels didn't seem to – he didn't seem to, like – like it was a big deal uh, when we talked to him on Monday, but you know it just kind of it kind of is what it is. And who's who's this? 
Sean Payton said, okay, here's, here's what Sean Payton had to say. And Brandon Cristal here at the owner's meeting just passed this along to me. Again, he's in Denver, and that's great timing for your question. What he likes about Jarrett Stidham, I think he's young, but I think he's someone that we had a good grade on coming out. We like the player. I think he played well in the two starts he had this year. If you study closely the San Francisco game, he's smart at the line of scrimmage. There were a couple of directions, really, with that position that were a handful of number twos that either I have worked with or he felt comfortable with. In this case, I think he's a number two whose arrow is moving in a direction where we feel like he can become an NFL starter in our league. The evaluation was pretty crystal clear for all of us. I think he's someone that's going to be great in the room. He's smart quietly. That was an important sign for us. That's from Sean Payton right there. And man, I tell you, I need to do shows and podcasts with uh, Brandon Cristal sitting next to me because he he drops the nuggets. He drops the gin. Brandon, thank you so much for that. And Raider Eddie, you probably know him. You're up in Denver. So I'm sure you've heard Plenty of Brandon as he's here right across from me at the owner's meeting. We're doing some tag team work around here. Got our internet lines hooked up at the same time. We're, we're, we're handling it, man. We're holding it down. So I definitely appreciate him as well. Thank you so much for your text. Uh, next up, got a call from Mark in Kentucky. He's calling to talk about the draft and what the Raiders could do at number seven with a focus on the offensive line. To Mark in Kentucky, uh, I've been thinking about the draft coming up and uh, and what we're going to do there at seven. And I'm not thrilled about taking an O-lineman, but if we do, we have to go Parrish Johnson Jr. over Peter Skaronsky. Facts are Johnson, taller. Johnson, 36-inch arms, 36-and-an-eighth-inch arms versus Skaronsky, 32-and-a-quarter. Not to mention, Skaronsky will probably have to play guard at the NFL level. He's never played guard in college. Johnson, on the other hand, played all of 2021 at right guard. Who's the Raiders' right guard right now? Nele Mouton, I'm butchering that name. And so if you're going to take an offensive lineman, a tackle, with worst-case scenario, that person having to kick inside, why not take the guy who's bigger, longer arms, and played guard before. Not only has he played guard before, he played right guard, where we don't have anyone right now. So if it is offensive lineman, you got to go with offensive tackle, Paris Johnson Jr., the Ohio State University. Thank you. Paris Johnson Jr. would definitely be the guy I would go with as well. Um, just because Skaronsky, I believe, is going to be a guard, as you mentioned. Uh, I don't think they address the offensive line at seven, though. I'll tell you that. I think that that's going to be later. Uh, there's a couple of guys that I would look at that are just true right tackles. They obviously need a right tackle. Uh, they could put a guard. You know, they they can address the guard pos- position as well. Uh, they do have a couple of guys that are versatile and can play some different positions. I don't think off- offensive line is going to be what they pick with their first pick. I really do truly believe if it's not a quarterback – uh, and they would have to trade up to go get their quarterback. If it's not a quarterback, it's going to be a defensive player. They just got too many holes, right? If there's 11 guys on defense, they got 10 holes on defense. I mean, let's just, you know, keep it a buck, right? I mean, that's just what it is. They need to address all kind of areas of that defensive uh, unit, you know, and give Patrick Graham an opportunity to be successful. So uh, that's where I think that they'll go. But, you know, 
you never know. <laughs> you never know when it comes to the draft, and we've been we've been uh, surprised, pleasantly surprised, and somewhat upset at times as well. So uh, thank you so much for that call. I appreciate you. We'll close things out with a text from Black Hole Jr. He said, Rare Nature, what's up? It's Black Hole Jr. out in Antioch. Just wanted to throw this out to the world as I see here thinking, wondering of what life was and what life could be. Can't wait for what the future holds through thick and thin, through good and bad. As the draft approaches, pondering just a little as I celebrate a new chapter of my life and my family, I wanted to ask a question to you and the nation. What about the Raider Nation culture makes you feed or, yeah, feed for more for daily life or feed more of daily life? Yeah, uh, typo there. It's all good. Mine is being like the Autumn Wind theme song. Life will knock you around and upside down. I'll laugh when he's conquered and won. What made you a Raiders fan or why did you continue to be a Raiders fan and what does being a fan do to help you look forward to the days ahead. So uh, there you go. Black Hole Jr. basically asking about Raider fandom. And I think from, I think honestly to sum it up, it would just be the family type atmosphere that I feel like it used to be. I'll just say that. I feel like it used to be. And I don't know if it's the social media era. I don't know if it's, I don't know, the Derek Carr era. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't feel like that now. It feels like there's a lot of infighting. I talk about it quite a bit here on the show. And it could be with all the fan bases. I don't know. Brandon, how's Denver? How are the Broncos fans? Are they are they are they kumbaya or is there a lot of infighting? Does Russ have it? So it's it's a little split as well. So see, I mean, it could just be every fan base that team is not as successful as they want them to be uh, could all be fighting. But I think that that's really what it's all about. I mean, I just go back and think about those days at the Coliseum while the stadium might not have been the sexiest looking stadium and had all the hottest amenities. I know that the Coliseum parking lot was fantastic. And I know I could walk uh, walk off of BART, walk across the bridge, and just walk into the parking lot and introduce myself. And as long as I got that black jersey on, you got that black jersey on, I'm eating. I'm eating at your spot. You're eating at my spot. Whatever the case may be, we're kicking it. I always thought that the family atmosphere thing uh, was was what was most impressive about you know being a member of Raider Nation. And, and I used to tell people that weren't fans of certain teams, I would say, hey, you know, just come to a game. Just come to a game, and, and you'll see it, and then you'll enjoy it. And nine times out of ten, they would. So I, I think for me, that's what it would be. It's always be about that family atmosphere. And I'm sure that with the Raider Nation, it's it's pretty much the same. But, uh, we, you know, I would love to hear from you. 707-654-4693. Again, 707-654-4693. That's a Locked On Raider Podcast voicemail line. And that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be Back tomorrow, obviously, I'll have plenty of more sound and sights and news and notes from the owners' meetings, and maybe we'll talk to Dave Ziegler and Mark Davis. Hopefully, that's going to happen. We're trying to work on that. I'm going to try to push for that, but definitely get some sound from uh, Kyle Shanahan on Jimmy G and uh, whatever else I can uh, work into the magic, but we'll make it happen live from the owners' meetings. So, Raider Nation, until tomorrow, definitely appreciate you. Take care of your family. Love on your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby.